Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. I hope you're extremely well. I hope you had a good week. And if not, I hope you can make it good by learning from the things you went through and understanding um, from the mistakes, you, mistakes you've made and maybe from things that God wanted you to go through in order for you to find him or to come closer to him. In church in the last few weeks, um, we've been studying in the book of Ephesians, and I want to bring us to a little closer inspection of the first chapter, um, not even the whole first chapter. It's spoken volumes to my heart. I needed to hear it as a believer. You know, we want to speak to people in Christ, but the audience here, I hope, are those outside of Christ as well. As a matter of fact, that's exactly how I'm discussing this. This is exactly kind of, if there were to be a title, we would call we would say it's in Christ and outside of Christ. Okay, I want you to understand that. Let's start by reading the first chapter in Ephesians, verse 1 through, we'll stop at verse 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Remember that phrase or something like it. That's very important. That's our pivotal phrase. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, there's that phrase again, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, there it is again, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Again, that phrase, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. That's the body of Christ. In him, there we have it again, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, there it is again, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, there's that phrase again, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, there it is again, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ, again, might be to the praise of his glory. In him, again, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That's wonderful. That's wonderful news. And we're going to talk about these things, okay? So see, I needed to be reminded of this, and so do you. I needed to be strengthened as a believer with these words, and so do you, whether you realize it or not. And we need to be fortified like a tower or a city wall or a stronghold. 
okay? We find all these great things, great things, these promises, these things we have only because we are in Christ Jesus. Okay, the, again, my, my, my title, if you want to call my message, is called In Him or Outside of Him. And there's a huge difference. So again, our, our, our text is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It goes much further than that. In fact, it's all throughout the Bible. But here it's very concentrated. Okay, We find words like in him, in Christ, by him, for him, through him, all these different things. And what does it point to? Christ Jesus. And why is that important? Because we have these things and we are these things now that we've been transformed by the power of his salvation, by the power of the gospel. We have those things not because of anything we are or that we've done, but because we are in him, because we belong to him, because we've been bought by his blood, okay? because we've been redeemed in him. Okay? But if we are outside of him, if we don't yet know him, whether we don't care to know him or whether we're seeking for him or whether we're on the right path or we'll be there soon and we just haven't gotten to that point yet, okay? There's a very special difference. And the reason I want to point it out is not to be mean, not to say that we are better than anyone, but I don't, or there's a lot of unclear teaching, okay? And sometimes people that aren't saved, they hear words like this and they think that they're part of the beloved, as we talked about before. We think we are part of those who are in Christ, and yet we're, yet we're still outside of Christ. So if you think you have something that you don't really have, and yet you go through certain times where these things should be made available to you if you're in Christ, but you're still outside of Christ, but you think you're in Christ, then you're going to not have these things, and you're going to wonder why you're going through these things unnecessarily. Or not that everything ever goes perfect. Absolutely not. The Christian life is more difficult than even the secular life. But we don't want you to think that you have these blessings and these promises and that you are seen this way by God if you are still outside of Christ. And there's a huge difference. So we want to settle that. But we also be, be, we want to be reminded and strengthened and edified if we're believers because the life in Christ is, is wonderful and glorious, but it's also difficult because while we're in this earth, the Bible says we're just sojourners. It's not all there is. We're just passing through. This is not our permanent home. If the world hated him first, they're going to hate us also, which doesn't also always mean hate as we perceive it, although it does. It also means, we learned last time, that it means to esteem less okay, than someone else. So we need to understand that. So we look back in Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 14. Now let me ask this, because these are necessary questions, okay? Who are these things for? Are they for everyone? No. No, they're not. I'll be honest with you. No, they are not, okay? They are for the saints who are, as verse 1 says, in Christ Jesus. Verse 3 tells us that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours, are ours, but in Christ, if we are in Christ. If not, they are not ours, okay? Verse 4 says, he chose us in him, there's that phrase again, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I want you to focus on these, these phrases, in Christ, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, for him, through him, by him. Those are the verses I want, that we we're wanting to uh, focus on because that's the focus in Ephesians. But as 
Christians and even non-Christians. We want to know who we are. We want to know what our identity is. We want to know what we're supposed to call ourselves or how we view ourselves or how others view us. It's important. That's part of our dignity, part of our purpose. Okay, But we don't want to think we're something that we're not and we don't want to think that we're some that we're not something that we are. So we need to be clarified in these things. So in the believer, okay, verse one again says, in Christ Jesus. Verse three, every spiritual blessing in the heavy, heavenly places is ours in Christ Jesus. Verse four, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Again, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our trespasses. Verses 8 and 9, he lavished his grace upon us, giving us all wisdom and insight, making known the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Outside of him, we don't have that heavenly inheritance. Verse 12, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you heard the word of truth when you believed in him as a result of hearing the gospel of your salvation. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. Now these are these are the riches, the riches, the, the the treasures of his storehouse, of his glory and of his grace given to us, okay, who trust in him alone for the forgiveness of our sins. We who submit to his lordship of the universe and over our own personal and individual lives. We who love him and serve him and who bear witness to him and share our testimonies of what he's done for us. We've, we who obey his perfect laws and his perfect commands, and we who are grateful to him for the powerful transformation that he's done in us. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. You see, we, we've been rescued from death. We've been rescued from sin. And we've got these promises and these treasures. We have these things because we are in him. Okay, these come from his grace. Okay, it's nothing we deserve, it's nothing we've earned, it's nothing we can't obtain when we're outside of him. If you look at 1 John chapter 1, the first five verses, okay, it says this about Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And it says, all things were made through him, talking about Jesus, and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, nor ever will it. Okay. Notice, notice this. Okay? It's still calling attention to him. Through him is one of the verses, and in him is another phrase. Okay, They're purposefully and rightfully mentioned here. Okay, Now remember also, or if you've never heard it, that's okay, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, it speaks of and it calls attention to the preeminence of Christ. Okay, what is preeminence? Okay, well, if, if you're eminent, I mean, you're very important. But if you're preeminent, okay, then you're the most important. You're the number one. You're the supreme. Okay, it's first place. It's above all things. Okay, pay attention, please, to these words. Okay, the truth that's contained here. And pay attention to some, to some, some, some similar small phrases that are related and that are repeated here, okay, because they're being planted in our minds and hearts. The truth, the truth says this, okay, it says, he is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. That's speaking of his resurrection. How, how important is this since next weekend is the resurrection day. It's Easter, okay? Then in everything, he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace between God and man by the blood of his cross. Now it's so important, please, brothers and sisters and friends, it's so important for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to, to know, and I underline that, to know and to remember, we underline that too, and to constantly be aware of, we underline that too, of who we are in Christ, okay? We've been transformed by the power of the gospel of salvation, okay? Who we were out of Christ were dead sinners, okay? But in Christ, okay, we who are because of him, we who are by him, we are through him, and we are in him. We are totally new creations, praise God, sanctified and being sanctified more and more and more into his image from glory to glory, the Bible says. We are no longer dead in our trespasses because of him. We are no longer sinners 
because we're in him. We're no longer dry bones like Ezekiel talks about because we're in him. We're no longer whitewashed tombs like Ezekiel says because we're in him. We've been redeemed because we're in him. We're no longer dishonorable vessels. We are honorable vessels in him. Okay? We no longer worship things made by our own hands. We're not defined by our circumstances or what others think or say about us. And that's important. What matters and what we're, and what matters and what we are in Christ is what he says we are. We're no longer illegitimate children or orphans. We've been adopted and we've been grafted into his family. We've been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, we have a future and a hope and a heavenly inheritance. Okay, when we are weak, the Bible says, his power working in us and through us makes us strong. Okay, we're told in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 10. Okay, it says here, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed because we're in him. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair because we're in Christ. Persecuted. We talked about that last week, but not forsaken because we're in Christ or struck down, but not destroyed because we're in Christ, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies when we're resurrected. And even as we live now, so we need to we need to daily encourage ourselves and each other with these words, these truths, even as the day approaches, okay? Our situations, our situations, guys, they don't define us, okay? Lies spoken about us, they don't change these facts spoken about us because we are in Christ, okay? Opinions of other people, while they may affect us to some degree, they don't alter these truths. They don't change these promises. They, they're, they're, they, don't, they don't make these kingdom realities untrue. Okay? Now, feelings and emotions, I, I know, as powerful and as influential as they may be, okay? They're just temporal. And I don't just mean earthly. I mean, they're, they're moment by moment. They're fleeting, okay? They can change at 12.15 and be gone by 12.40 or, or you know, they're, they're very fleeting, okay? So we can't, we can't trust our feelings and emotions. Now, they're there for a reason. God gave them to us when they're used correctly as a guide. But, but we don't need to be caught up in our circumstances. We know our circumstances don't define us. Well, our, our feelings and emotions don't define us either. Because if they do, then we're one thing one minute one, and something else another minute. And that's not true. Not if we're in Christ. Okay? They're temporal and they can't change our newly found and eternal spiritual DNA. They can't and they don't. And for the believer, for those, excuse me, for the unbeliever, I should say, for the unbeliever, for those still under the bondage of sin, for those who resist the gospel, to the rebellious, to those who are still enemies of God because of sin, these truths, these promises don't apply. They don't apply yet, and to some they will never apply. That depends on you. Okay, I'm not condemning you. I'm simply stating a fact. 
Okay, if you were to think that they did apply to you, you wouldn't appreciate the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Okay, and you'd keep these words in him, through him, by him, for him. Okay, they wouldn't make any sense to you. And, and you'd be very confused, okay, when your lives were not blessed and touched in the way you expected them to be because somebody said, this is for the believer. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. But you're still in your sin. Okay. You're not in Christ. You're outside of Christ. So these things are not for you. And I respect the preachers that take the time to make that important distinction. Okay. They can be for you. But if you're coming to the kingdom just to get those things, then that's the wrong reason. And you won't truly be saved. Why do I say that? Because the spirit convicts you of your sin. That's one of his jobs, one of his ministries. Okay, and if you haven't been convicted of your sin, which he is going to do, but if it hasn't raised some point of contention in you, if it doesn't make you feel truly sorry, truly sorrowful, truly remorseful over your sin, and you won't acknowledge it, then, then you're just going to make excuses for it, or you're going to compare yourself to somebody else, and you're not going to own it. If you don't acknowledge it, you won't confess it. If you, don't, if you don't confess it, how can you be forgiven? And if you don't ask for forgiveness, you can't be saved. And that's in Christ. That's what that means. Okay? It's just true. Okay? We would be frustrated. We'd be angry very possibly. We'd be naive for sure. And we'd be left asking and even crying. Why? Have you done that before? How many people have done that? Why, God? Why? 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 When you get the right perspective, you're trying. what you're really saying when you say, why did this happen? You're really trying to say, why did this happen to me? Because I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't deserve that to happen to me. It doesn't make sense. If you love me, why did this happen to me? Why? Because you're outside of Christ. Not that God caused it. But when you're in Christ and you have his spirit living within you and your your soul and your spirit has been transformed and you become hungry and thirsty for righteousness, God's desires become your desires. Galatians says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the truth of the matter. Okay. If Christ doesn't live in you, then you are not in Christ. You are outside of Christ and he is outside of you and, and you're considered still a sinner. You're still considered an enemy of God as far as that's concerned. Does he love you? Yes. Does he want to save you? Yes. Can these things be yours? Yes. But if you come just to get these things, but you don't feel convicted of your sin and you're not truly sorrowful and you don't want to be forgiven, you don't want to be cleansed, you don't want God to, to forgive you of your sin and wipe them clean and never count them against you again, which, by the way, is what he doesn't do. He doesn't ever, never, once he forgets about him, he forgets about him. Okay? He never sees you that way anymore. But if you're doing it for the wrong reason, just to see what you can get out of it, Rather than what you can be cleansed of because of your guilt of your sin that you can't, you know, you can't get rid of yourself. You've got to have that conviction. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't gotten it yet, or he's been speaking it to you, but you haven't recognized it because you don't know the voice of God, ask him. He will surely, surely give it to you. But you've got to ask and ask and ask and ask because that proves to God that you really want it. Hey, God showed me one time, okay, if you're a kid and you're asking for a Christmas present in July and your parents go out and buy it, they better be careful because kids change their minds a lot. And if they don't keep asking for it from July until Christmas, chances are they don't want it. They've changed their minds and they want something else or they, they no longer want that, okay? So it's the continual asking that shows your parent the fervency of how much you truly want that item. 
So your mind can change for wanting a train to wanting a, a, a Spider-Man doll to wanting, you know, train tracks or to wanting army men or whatever it is you want between now and Christmas. That's going to be so fluctuating. He's just going to wait till the week before Christmas to find out what it is you want. If he feels like buying that for you and he can't afford it, he will. Okay. But God wants to know that that's in your heart and that's what you want. And that's what you're fixed on. And by doing that again and again and again, he'll do it. He wants to give it to you. Okay. So I hope that makes sense. Okay, but but why would you cry? Why? Okay, but because these these things we're talking about. Okay, while they're available by his riches, by his immeasurable storehouses. Okay, they've got no end. Okay, storehouses of riches of his grace and of his mercy in Christ Jesus and through his blood. Okay, are not these things? Things we can, we, we can't buy these things. We can't earn these things. We can't even, it's not even good enough to, to intellectually uh, believe in them, okay? They, we must be convicted by the Holy Spirit. We've got to see our depravity. We've got to become aware of and acknowledge our sinfulness. We've got to be, as I said before, we've got to be genuinely and sincerely sorrowful and remorseful for our sins. We've got to confess that we're in that state or condition before his throne. And do it, do it on our knees in humility. Okay? We, we've got to want and ask for that forgiveness in him, as we've been talking about. We've got to submit to his lordship. Okay, we've got to turn from our lives of sin. We've got to turn to God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. Okay, now some, they hear this and they say, you know what? You're talking about these things as though they are works, as though they are things we must do in order to be saved. Absolutely not. That is not what we're saying. And it does maybe sound like that to some people, but that's not what it is. What that, what, they're, they're not, okay? They, they can't be because... Because they, they're they not that way because they can't be that way, okay? Otherwise, grace wouldn't be grace, okay? Ephesians, uh, in the next chapter, 2, verses 8 and 9, wonderful thing. You've got you've got to, you've got to learn that, okay? But the, the key phrase in there is, by grace, through faith. That's how salvation comes, by the grace of God, through your faith in that, okay? So they're not works. They're not deeds. They're just... They're just inherent uh, um, understandings. They're inherent things that you're willing to grab hold of or submit to Christ in order to to be washed clean under his blood. It's just all it is. It's not a work. You don't get saved because you do these things. They're just inherent in that process of submitting to him. Now, as I speak to my Christian brothers and sisters, I say celebrate these things meditate ponder these things rejoice rejoice in these things remind yourself and one another of who you are in him through him for him and by him alone hallelujah and to my friend who's not there yet to, to my to the person who's seeking to the person who's hearing to the sinner i say we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Okay? We love you. 
in all agape love. We love you in all phileo love. Amen? It's in him. In him. In him. Okay? Acts 17, 28 sums it up this way. Again, in him, we human beings live and move and have our being. Some versions say have our identity or owe our existence to. Some say in him we live and move and have our existence. And that's what that means. That means in him we live and move and have our being. Okay, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Don't let yourself be caught literally dead outside of Christ. Okay, be in Christ. God bless you.